Michael Fullan describes change as a double-edged sword. One side has fear, anxiety, loss, danger, panic, and the other, exhilaration, risk-taking, excitement, improvements, and energizing. We as people do not function in the world the same way that we did 20, 10, or even five years ago. Our classrooms, our teaching, and our spaces should not function the same way they did then either. Change is powerful and hard. When I think about the changes I have made in my classroom over the past three years, I've experienced both sides of the sword. But has it been powerful? Yes. Have I failed? Yes. But have I grown so much as a learner? Yes. And I've seen sides of my students that I never experienced before. We need to change. What time is it? I'm hungry. All that jambalaya talk. Yeah, I know, right? The jambalaya. <laughs> hmm. Why did I have to? Why did I have to like that tweet so much? Welcome, one and all, to the WGSD After Chat, a podcast in which fellow WGSD chat member Jason Heisel and myself, Brian Hill, discuss some of the points brought up during the Webster Grove School District's weekly Twitter chats and dive deeper into the topics which sparked discussion, inviting you to be a part of the moment shared in the hashtag WGSD chat. This is our second episode, and we are testing out a new format. Our first episode ran a little bit longer than we were anticipating. Our goal is to bring you a podcast which will be precise in its nature, informative, and invite you to engage in thoughts or ideas of your own around the topics from WGSD Chat. Today, we're going to look at the chat session on change, which was hosted by the superintendent of schools, John Simpson. But before we get into that, Brian... How have you been? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, Jason. Uh, life seems to be going well. Not a lot of change since the last podcast. I did get to engage in a little bit of my favorite pastime. Some people don't like it so much. But I am an avid uh, outdoorsman. I did get to go out for deer season this year. Uh, so, had some fun there. So, yeah, it's been a pretty good uh, last few weeks since we uh, were last podcasting. What about yourself, sir? Well, I have been... Participating in the National Blog Post Month, where we post a blog post every day for the month of November. So that has been fun and exhausting, but more fun than exhausting. Last year I felt like it was, there was some tedious moments, but it's been really enjoyable. So if you want to see what I have been up to, you should check out my blog, the techspecblog.blogspot.com. Uh, what else has been going on? Uh... You know, we had a staff meeting yesterday, which I don't participate in all the time, but this one I did, and it was really cool. <clears throat> Some of the main things that were talked about, well, the overall arching theme was change and some things that we need to do or things that we are actively doing now to change our spaces, to change the way we are teaching, to change the way learning is happening, and uh, so it was really exciting, and I thought, well, that's perfect. This meeting happened, and then we're going to be talking about change, so let's get into it. Yeah, uh, so in my head, my first thought that comes to mind, and a little bit of devil's advocate if we're going to be completely clear and, and forthright about this, but why change? Why does that matter? Why? What do we need to change about an educational system that seems to be educating children? Well, I think that's a great question, and I think we have some great answers from some of the, uh, the faculty from around the district, so let's uh, take a listen. 
I think there are many reasons why we have to take an analytical look at our current education model. The main reason that it needs change is that our current system is based on an industrial model, one that was meant to teach students things that they couldn't learn at home. If you look in an average classroom today, you will probably see things that are familiar to you. A teacher in front of the room, students in desks that are arranged in rows. They probably have a piece of paper and a pencil in hand. This stage on a stage model of teaching is essentially the same as it was over 150 years ago, but our world is nothing like the 1860s. Another reason we must take a fresh look at our educational system is because it's not serving our country well. In Creative Schools by Sir Ken Robinson, he shares several statistics about the high school dropout rate and how it affects our nation. He says, a very high proportion of people who are on long-term employment, are homeless, are on welfare, or in the correctional system did not graduate from high school. He goes on to say, more than two-thirds of all male prisoners in state and federal prisons do not have a high school diploma. In addition to this, a reduction in high school dropouts would bring an additional tax revenue around $90 billion a year. So we could solve many problems that we have in our countries by simply reducing the dropout rate. We must analyze why these students are dropping out. Perhaps the old industrialized model is not reaching students and preparing them for life. Perhaps these students are not, quote, good at doing school. Perhaps our teachers are grading on compliance rather than mastering skills. In conclusion, we must change our educational system because our country cannot sustain the current model. If we want our economy to grow, reduce the prison population, and get more people in high-quality and high-paying jobs, it all starts with how students are educated. I think that too often we do things the way they are just because it's the way that it things have always been done and that um, change is important for students to see that we are constantly evolving as educators and I think modeling that in the classroom is um, imperative to showing them that they are the future and that um, we are meeting their needs as we evolve with them. Well, I think they both brought up some really good points as to why we're even talking change in the educational system. Uh, the number one thing being this is our system is currently designed based on something that is over 150 years old, uh, as Leslie pointed out. So just in thinking about change alone, you know, I've been here at Hickson for 11 years, in the district for 12, and uh, I'm just thinking about wh what sort of things maybe for you, Brian, has, has changed in your career since you started to this date now in 2016. Well, I have a pretty unique perspective when it comes to the educational system since the program that I am a part of is not your traditional uh, classroom. It's not It's not even traditional class hours. The Adventure Club program that I'm part of uh, runs before school and after school and uh, doesn't approach the development and education from a curriculum standpoint. So it's pretty awesome to be a part of and, and exciting in this time of what appears to be change in the district and growth and all that kind of stuff. Um, but what I've seen change from my perspective 
specifically is the recognition and validation of this style of learning that isn't the industrial model of come in, sit down, task A, task B, task C, completion upon a test, regurgitate your knowledge and go to the next thing. Um, kind of feels like a when you when I explain it like that, it kind of feels like a, a an assembly line for neurons. <laughs> well put. Uh, but uh, Adventure Club has never been that, and it's seeing this learning model that's starting to uh, develop in the classrooms that more closely resembles what Adventure Club has done with is with uh, natural mm-hmm. play. And, and natural exploration and natural curiosity is really neat to see. And it's also very encouraging to have a direction to also kind of follow when it comes to the way the classrooms are starting to lead in order to support that type of learning more um, deliberately. That's mm-hmm. a good word. I would agree with that. I would say for me, you know, when I first started, we had, I think about, 100 computers for the entire school of kids to use. So they'd have to have a cart of computer. Teacher would have to check it out, get it down to the room. We didn't even have wireless everywhere. The wireless was connected to the back of the cart. Flash forward to today, and we have a space where every child has a Chromebook. We have a strong infrastructure of Wi-Fi. And the kids themselves are doing more while the teacher is doing less. And I don't mean the teacher is doing less work, but maybe less direct instruction. And the kids are going out and seeking the learning and creating the learning experiences while the teachers are pushing them along and pushing them further and asking questions. I mean, just the watered-down version from 12 years ago, not every kid had a computer, no Wi-Fi, and jump to today where every kid has a computer and has access to that knowledge that you sort of were saying before that we used to get from that person in the room. Now they can actively seek the knowledge on their own. Yeah. Uh, there's a term uh, that's tossed around at the Ambrose Family Center. I say tossed around. I shouldn't say tossed around. There is a term that is very uh, specifically used at the Ambrose Family Center uh, in relation to what you were describing there where the teacher is kind of setting up learning experiences and the kids are driving them their way through the learning experience. Um, and it's called deliberate provocations. Mm. And the Big words. Yeah, yeah, really big words. You want to break that down for me? So the idea is the children are the learners. They are the ones who are guiding themselves through this process. And... In order to help them to curate an experience for them, the teacher's job is to give them a deliberate provocation, a deliberate provoking question, deliberately provoking uh, experience, something to get their brains focused on a thing and then in motion, and then just see where it goes from there. That sounds like it could be fairly complicated to a person who's never experienced or seen that, just just hearing you talk about it. You know, it kind of is. It's I'm in the midst of it, and even sitting right in the middle of doing these things, these provocations, it is very confusing. There, there It's almost my mind pictures. So a little insight into the way Brian Hill's brain works. 
uh, I think in pictures. So the picture that comes to mind as I'm going or the video that's playing in my head is actually sitting in the middle of a whirlwind where there's a lot of stuff going on around and everything's kind of spinning and it's very easy to feel lost in this thing because it can be disorienting. But these deliberate provocations can also be amazingly good at setting a direction. It's just about finding something that gets the children to think. Not every single one of them works. Not every single one of them works for every kid. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing you say in all that is it's very crucial to consider each individual learner and what they're interested in and excited about. Uh, and what I wonder is, and I'm glad that you mentioned all this, is is one of the talking points that we had from the, the WGSD chat was what might one do to support a colleague or community member who feels threatened by change? Because it, it can feel it can feel very difficult and hard to say, you know, some people see in that sort of black and white area where if you're saying we have to change or there needs to be a change, that they're doing something wrong. And that's not the case in this at all. And what I hear you saying, it's more if this was a system that was designed 150 years ago and the world is no longer running the way it was run 150 years ago, this change is not something that we have to do because you're doing it wrong because we've had lots of educated people come out of schools. It's how do we adapt and what might we change to better support the learners engaging in the world around us now? That Yeah, that is an incredibly fair statement i kind of i love it and it reminds me of some of the other submissions for the questions of what is change why is change important that we kind of put out there to uh our community and you know what i think right now it'd be a great time to hear another couple to hear what they had to say about what change is and how that can feed your question let's take a listen when i started teaching i think one of the statements that i hated the most was that's the way that we've always done things. It just has a certain aura to it that just makes you think that things are outdated or that you're not thinking about them or making them current or fit in the situation that you're in. It just makes things easy. I think in education, change needs to happen because kids change and um, ideas change and momentum changes and we are changing and evolving and always trying to get better. So. Why wouldn't we want that for our profession? I think it's a, it would be a very scary place to assume that standing still is going to take our students any farther than where they already were before they came into our classroom. Uh, I think that change is important because if we stay the same, then we get stuck. I do think also uh, that it's important to not just throw out old ways uh, for the sake of change, but that change be mindful uh, to benefit our students and our teachers as well. The world changes and we need to prepare our students for the world that they will live in after they leave school. So what I'm hearing from all of these submissions that we got is basically that this is, a, as you've said before, Jason, an ever-changing world and that uh, we have to respect that it's not just our world. It's the children's world also. It's the student's world. It belongs to everybody, and they're shaping what it's going to become. But we also get to shape how they experience it on the way up. Well put. And I think, you know, tying that back to that uh, that idea of well, how do we support somebody 
who is trying to um, grapple with this idea of change. And from the chat, I mean, overall, I would say the number one thing, and I'd almost say it's tied, is the idea of listening and the idea of empathy. And when you hear from all of these big companies nowadays, they refer to them as the soft skills. That is one of the number one skills they're looking for is that idea of empathy. Uh, And really, it it goes back to that idea of we have to listen to each other in order to help support each other. Uh, you know, one of the things that I really liked uh, that Katie Heisel tweeted from Ambrose. That's my wife for those listeners who don't know. Getting that plug uh, in there. Good job, Jason. Good I, job. <laughs> she often says brilliant things. Uh, I just have the fortune to hear them all the time. So I'm going to share what she said with you guys. Uh, in the chat, she said, listen, there is usually fear. We have to address it. Help them find the first step. Something small. Something doable, a positive result. And it's so true when we're talking change. You don't have to go and say, I'm now going to try to do all of these things that everyone's saying is important to do for every learner. You would you would confuse every child in the room and even your colleagues would not know what's going on if you try to do everything at once. So start off small. Think of one thing. How can you bring in some learner voice and their choice tomorrow one little thing uh and and help them help you have to rely on one another ask each other hey i was thinking about trying this what are your thoughts there will be some negative feedback there will be some positive feedback and the only thing you can do is try it the worst thing that's going to happen is it's going to fail and you're going to say to the kids this didn't work out so well this is what i was hoping for and then ask them they'll they'll guide you they'll they will give you the answers that you're looking for and I think there's there's two really important things inside of not only Katie's tweet, but also in what you just said right there. Um, and they are fear and then trust. In, in, what we're discussing here is change. I mean, obviously, we've been saying it this entire time. But change is that one thing in the world that is vitally necessary at all times. Otherwise, we stagnate and die. Or... And, I should say, and is also one of the scariest things that we could ever do. Because you're comfortable, you've got a thing that works, you know how to work it, and it's ongoing. Why would you risk doing something different that might not work? But fear and trust going hand in hand like that can make something amazing if you just lean into it. I'm pretty sure that's a Dr. Riss Thing, lean into fear. Lean into the discomfort. Yeah, and then trust that the people around you are going to work with you, support you, and and build you up from there. Right, and I, and I think, you know, piggybacking off that idea, you know, uh, John tweeted during that session that he must never, he said, I must never forget that fears may be justly warranted. That goes back to that idea of listening and empathy. We're not trying to make everyone change. And the crucial element is, is that every learner is individual and unique, and so it cannot look the same for every learner. Every school is going to be different. Every every year it's going to look different. Every semester it might change. Like, it depends. It all will revolve around your learners, and that's sort of the goal. So how do you help one another 
you know, how does that person who is saying maybe something that is just negative, how does, how does that benefit you? Well, that's a sounding board. They're giving you all of the feedback you need of what is the worst thing that could happen. And, and that could benefit you. So you can think through those things and you can either embrace them and watch and see if they happen, or you can try to build something around it so that it doesn't happen. But the idea is to try something and, and, and embrace that idea that, like you said, there is inherent fear and change for some and some embrace it but we have to try it and see where it goes i got nothing man (laughs) you just you did an awesome job with that i don't even know how to respond (laughs) solid and the solid (laughs) as as i'm scanning our notes here i'm seeing definitely a theme in answers uh every tweet i'm not every tweet but most every tweet i'm seeing uh involves the answer of listening and and when it comes to supporting a colleague it's about making sure you're listening and i think it's important just to put it that simply i mean we said the whole empathy aspect of it but even if you don't empathize sometimes all you got to do is listen and let them think their way through it Uh, who uh leslie said really hear their point of view. Ra- uh, Ramback said model and communicate. Kristen Harms said walk the journey with them. If you're walking it with them, you're listening to them. You're being a part of it. Melissa Helwig, listening and empathy come into play. Emily Garwitz, ask questions, listen, support. Desmond Reichold said before defending your awesome idea, it's important to know where the community member or colleague is coming from first. In order to do that, you got to listen. Ashley Porter, listen and share. <laughs> Shannon Marks actually put listen in all caps. Alex, Alexis, I'm sorry. Alexis Caruso, be a listener to them. Jessica Haskins, listen, share. Know that you may need to work in baby steps. Sarah Wichard, listen. And our illustrious leader, <laughs> John Simpson. You already said this one, but must never forget that their fears may be justly warranted, which means, obviously, listening. You, sir, have summarized this amazingly. Well, thank you. But you know what? All of this talk of listening and empathizing really lends into the next question, which is why is it important to listen and empathize with those resistant to change? What what is the benefit? Because we we said so. Because we said so. Isn't I mean it's right. We we just said we just spent this entire podcast saying they should. What are you doing to me, Jason? What are you doing? I'm telling you. (laughs) I'm just looking down these other tweets. Well, I'll tell you what I said. Yeah, what did you say? My exact quote that evening, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, and someone blind to one of those two. Use the other set of eyes as a spotter. Man, well put. You know, Brian, why don't we take uh, another moment here to hear from some others around the district on the subject of change and why it is so important to the educational system. Let's do it. Change is important because we live in an ever-changing world and we need to adapt to keep up with uh, the changes in the world. Because I feel like we are teaching for jobs that don't exactly exist yet, so we have to change the way we teach to meet those needs. You know, I love listening to all of these different points of view. These people were all from different schools or different time periods when we recorded the audio, and it's just fascinating to hear the similarities between what all of these educators are saying. It always blows my mind when when you have such spread out and, and 
potentially differing opinions and thoughts and experiences. And yet there's this, especially in this conversation, almost this laser focus among all these different entities and parties and groups to say that, that this thing, this change in this direction that we're kind of heading towards, or at least that we're exploring at the moment is worthwhile and very important. It's, it's just, it's inspiring. You can't avoid the reality that when it comes to change and, and creating a new system, when we're in the midst of one that has for decades, maybe centuries has, uh, proven to be effective, that there's going to be this resistance and, it leads us to the question that was asked that night. Why is it important to listen and empathize with those people who are resistant to this change that don't necessarily see a necessity for change or a value in this particular change? Right. And, you know, uh, Nika said that night that fear can paralyze people and make them defensive. She didn't want people to feel pressured. And I think that's crucial. We don't want to... Uh, have people feel defensive about what they're doing. We want them to embrace and try something. Try something that I might not think of or another person might think not think of. We all have to be trying something, and it might look completely different, like I said before, uh, in each space because we have to consider each learner is a different person and unique. Emily Garowitz said that night, how can we learn from one another if we don't listen? It's true. We, we can't possibly learn if we're not listening to one another. And tying back into that idea of empathy, we have to, to help support one another's ideas, whether we believe them or not, because we're going to learn from that process. Shannon Marks added and, and called out uh, the, the kind of absurdity of this question. Um, why wouldn't it always be? As in, why wouldn't it always be something that is important to listen and empathize. Why, why wouldn't it always be important to listen and empathize? And then she pointed out what we all know. Everyone's opinion is equally valuable in a learning process. It's well put. I'd tell you, uh, Desmond Reichold said one of these quotes or a tweet that night that I just, I really enjoyed. It says, change is kind of like jambalaya. You need lots of points of view to have more people behind you. Empathize to add their spice. And now, thank you, Desmond, I am hungry. But I like the metaphor. That was a good one. So I agree. It's a good one. So one of the other things that developed from this question was how do we add their spice? How do we get them to feel comfortable adding their spice? Uh, how do we get them to want to add their spice? And people like Christian Harms offered suggestions like it needs to be a safe space and we need to encourage them to be to feel willing to take the risk and to fail forward. And you know, it was uh, came from a tweet from Merlin Gill that uh, Dr. Sarah Wichard shared with us was change comes from listening, learning, caring, and conversation. And that quote was from Gwen Ifill. And I thought that really summarizes up this whole concept of why we have to listen, why we have to empathize. It's what drives the change. And if I might submit one additional, actually two additional tweets from my uh, fellow outstanding co-host over here. That evening you said two things, and you said them—I'm going to read them in reverse. I just said two? That's impressive. Well, 
let's go ahead and refer back to podcast number one. And we'll know better than that, good friend. <laughs> but, no. And, and by the way, listeners, if you happen to want to undertake this task, we are curious who talks more between the two of us. These are the conversations that happen when the microphones aren't on. So go ahead, get a timer, pull it out, time me, time Jason. Let us know in the comments who's the person that talks the most. I think we'll know who will win that race. <laughs> Challenge accepted. So... Uh, in an effort to make my words much more lengthier and longer than you to prove this, to win this challenge, um, that evening, two things you said, both of them have put together perfectly summarize why we need to listen and empathize and why change is important and why people have this fear and pretty much the entire thing. And once again, sir, I'm finding your quotes to have summed up this conversation in a very effective and powerful way. You said, we all want to be heard, and we all want to be understood. When you listen and empathize, learning happens. And isn't that the end goal of a school district and a school and a system that is working to shape the future for our children? I must say, I put that very well that night. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I agree with you. I think that's if that's our that's our end goal is we want learning to happen. How can we get there? And I tweeted it. Couldn't have tweeted it more perfectly. I applaud you, sir. I applaud you quietly without any applause at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for bringing up my own words and adding to the length of your conversation by reading my words. I'm going to make sure that this next chat I tweet lots and hope you quote them all for the next <laughs> podcast. Deal, good sir. Deal. Um, I think... I think we've had a good talk, sir. Um, I, I agree with you. I think it's been a great. I think it's been a great chat, and uh, I think we have a few more th- people that want to share some of their ideas around change. And and after these few more, I think we're going to close it up, or at least close up this section of it, with uh, Dr. Sarah Witcher finishing her uh, explanation of change that we actually opened the show with give you give you the listeners a chance to hear the other half of the conversation i believe that educational um, change and educational systems is critically important because i do believe that schools and school districts are microcosms of the societies in which they're embedded and change is happening so rapidly in society and to not respond to that within the school system is uh is a detriment to children. Um, and it's ultimately a detriment to those societies because ultimately those children will carry us forward. They'll carry our societies forward as they exit our system. So if we don't create space and opportunities that are relevant and meaningful and moving at the pace of change in their world, it is at not just again, their detriment for learning, but it's also at the detriment of society. Change is powerful and hard. When I think about the changes I have made in my classroom over the past three years, I've experienced both sides of the sword. Has it been powerful? Yes. Have I failed? Yes. But have I grown so much as a learner? Yes. And I've seen sides of my students that I never experienced before. We need to change because the world is not going back to a time without smartphones or the internet. We need to change because our learners deserve it. Will it be hard? Again, yes. Is there a map? No. 
but teachers are problem solvers. We can do this. I will leave you with this quote from Abraham Maslow. You will either step forward into growth or step backward into safety. To our fullest potential, we must be willing to risk making choices based on who we might become rather than staying safe in who we are. Well, we hope you enjoyed our second episode of the uh, WGSD After Chat. If you are interested in more chatting, check out the WGSD Chat every Thursday night on Twitter at 8 p.m. Just search for the hashtag WGSD Chats. That 8 p.m., by the way, is Central Standard Time. If you're listening to us somewhere else, um, yeah, hashtag WGSD Chat on Twitter. And if you would like to connect with me, Jason P. Heisel, on Twitter, I am at the tech spec. Or you can find me, Brian Hill, at bhill underscore akh underscore h. And don't forget to follow the WGSD Chat Twitter account that is at WGSDCHAT. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, or you can listen on our website, WGSDChat.Weebly.com. Click on After Chat and leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. You can also email us at WGSDAfterChat at WGCloud.org. And as always, stay tuned and stay connected. We'll talk to you next time, guys.